This is the With a Dog Podcast, a podcast for the modern dog parent. I'm your host, Carly, and every Wednesday I bring on pet professionals or some fellow dog parents, and we laugh, learn, and commiserate about everything from the confusing vet visits to dog park etiquette to the 2 a.m. potty breaks. Essentially, life with a dog. Hello, people with a dog. Welcome to the episode that I never wanted to record, but I knew I would have to. So as many of you know, if you follow me on the social medias, my oldest dog, Lupin, passed away at the beginning of November. If you listened to the last episode, I said, yeah, he's in the hospital, but he's doing okay. Things took a turn for the worse. Then he passed away a few days after that episode came out, or I guess a day after that episode came out. I've taken a few weeks off the podcast, but I wanted to do this episode because I feel like I can't move forward, especially within the dog world and with this podcast, until I do it. And I also want everything to kind of be fresh in my mind so I could potentially pass on any learnings to anyone um, in case my experience is helpful to you. But also, you're my people. Like, you know, I, I share pretty much everything about my life on this podcast, and it doesn't feel right not telling you how Lupin passed away. This episode is more about the events that happened, um, like, so saying goodbye to him and, like, the events that led to him passing away. Not, this is not like a final goodbye ode to Lupin episode. Um... I have done episodes like that in the past of like, you know, talking about him in London and like my experience with him as my first dog and like he was my soul dog. And I feel like the podcast itself is an ode to him. I feel like I've covered that basically. Like you guys know how much I love him. So this is going to be a little bit more of like how everything went downhill, the events that happened. It's going to have a little bit more of an informational bent to it because things are going to spiral out of control really quickly if it's just like me and my emotions. So I'm trying to to create a little bit of structure, I guess, around it and have it, as I said, a little bit more like informational. But I also want this to be potentially useful for anyone who, you know, has or will have to go through a similar experience. And also I'm going to say, forgive me now if... (laughs) This sound ends up sounding choppy. I I know I'm going to end up tearing up at some point. And so I'm probably going to like take a pause and have to edit chunks out and stuff like that. So just bear with me if this is not up to snuff or if it it sounds a bit choppy or something after editing. Um yeah, I I definitely think I'm going to be having to do this in different parts. Speaking of parts, um I'm going to try to cover events that happened, how we made the decision to say goodbye to him. And my current like emotions during that week and then also like up to currently kind of just all the emotions I've been experiencing this last month. So for those of you who don't know, my first dog, Lupin, a.k.a. Loopy, a.k.a. Bubby, Stinky Face, Bubba, Handsome, Loopy Doopy Doo, passed away on it was either November the evening like of November 2nd or like. 12 a.m. on the 3rd. 
We're not quite sure because it was midnight at the veterinary hospital and we were there to electively say goodbye. So he did not pass away of natural causes. We did choose to do euthanasia, which I will get into. Um, And as I said, I have other episodes that tell like Lupin's rescue story and his life with us and and all of that um, because he really was the hardest dog I will ever have, both behaviorally and medically, but he was also my soul dog. I was obsessed with him. He was, we think, like 12, 13 years old-ish. So we knew this was coming for a while. Um, However, it was still very sudden, almost like an emergency, an accident, almost. Um, And so it was a bit of a roller coaster. So how it all started. 4 a.m. on Tuesday, Lupin woke me up. He was having some kind of choking coughing fit he was laying on my side of the bed on my legs as per usual and i woke up because he was yeah like having this like coughing fit that was pretty violent but it was not uncommon for him like sometimes when he would lick himself too much he would like kind of like choke on his own spit or like his hair or something who knows and have just like a little like cough you know like humans do it too you know when you like swallow water the wrong way and you're like like sorry one second Kind of like that. He he would have that every once in a while. It was suspected that he had laryngeal paralysis, which is very common in dogs, especially in older large breed dogs, which he was. It's a disease that causes difficulty breathing, which may initially be mild and then progressively worsens over time. So his is very mild or was very mild. So there was not really any like treatments options available to him um just so you know it's laryngeal paralysis is often part of a generalized nerve and muscle weakening syndrome called geriatric onset laryngeal paralysis and polyneuropathy so it's also like g-o-l-p-p like gulp and so it also you know when you have an old dog that has uh weakness in their back legs like a nerve like nerve issues in their back legs this is also kind of like ties into that. And the laryngeal paralysis is kind of an early sign of it. Um, so it has like esophageal dysfunction, which is kind of like difficulty swallowing food and water, thus increasing the risk of inhaling food or water. And this can cause lung infection called aspiration pneumonia, which is exactly what happened to Lupin. So I kind of pulled that off of Cornell University Veterinary Medicine website, just so you know. We knew he had this. It was a very mild, mild situation. There was no treatment options. Um, we did not expect for it to it's not even that it progressed. It was that the risk of the inhaling like the food or water, like the inhalation into the lungs. His situation was so mild that 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 was not um really a concern yet for him. But as I said, that's exactly what happened. So he woke us up with a big coughing fit. It went on longer than usual, and his whole body was like a little bit more stiff during. Usually he's like, hold on a sec, guys, I'll be okay in a minute. But this was more like he, you could tell he had like a little bit of like, I don't know what's happening. I can't stop coughing. And I'm like choking kind of. Um, So I woke up Mike. Lupin finally finished his situation, but he was different afterwards. Like he wasn't choking anymore, but he was kind of like frozen and breathing really shallowly. 
Like he was aware, like he was looking at us and stuff, but he wasn't willing to move his body. The only example I could say is like, you know how a lot of dogs, when they're about to throw up, they kind of like freeze. Like they find that little corner or whatever and they're like, I'm going to stand here and like barf (laughs) and and it's hard to move their body. I guess that's the only example that I kind of have. But yeah, we, we just couldn't really get him to snap out of it. He was breathing really shallowly. After about like five minutes, we were like, okay, let's take him to the emergency. Fortunately, I Googled an emergency vet thinking that we would have to go to the one in the past. And I was just like looking for their phone number to give him a heads up that we were coming. It wasn't like a super nice one. Like there was no parking lot and they've always been really great. Like the one we've gone to in the past, but it's not like the nicest facility. So I'm very happy I Googled because there happened to be a new one closer to us that opened in May and it was only about a 10 minute drive. So we dragged Lupin into the car. Um, like he could move his body. We didn't have to carry him, but it was it was very much like us leading him because he was just focusing on breathing. We got to the vet. They took him in right away. We made it. We waited like maybe like 40 minutes while they did all the diagnosis. Um, and then we got into a room to talk with the vet. Because even though I I did my little like background of laryngeal paralysis and stuff, we didn't quite know like what exactly had happened. That was my suspicion. But then at this time, the vet told us they did chest x-rays and blood work. Sounds like he may have like thrown up and swallowed the vomit back into his lungs at some point in the night. Or maybe it was just a really large amount of like saliva. But either way, he aspirated on the fluid. And so he inhaled it into his lungs instead of it going down his esophagus. So the concern with that is that it can become pneumonia very quickly. And so they started immediately started him on an IV and antibiotics. And at this time, the vet said, we got him in pretty quickly. He should be able to go home that evening with antibiotics, even though he was an old dog. So in reference to like what you guys know, that is the day I recorded my intro for the last episode. So like at that time, I was kind of like, okay, this was scary and not good. But right now we've got a good prognosis. And also, side note, um, Lupin has been to the emergency vet like seven times in the nine years that we've had him. And some of those times have been extremely serious. So I am going to do like a little informational emergency vet episode too, because I think I have a lot of informational information that may be really useful for you guys. Okay, back to the story. So this is still on Tuesday. Um, We got a call later in the day that he wasn't improving as much as they hoped and his kidney levels were elevated, but they didn't know if that was just inflammation from everything or it was like maybe another cause for concern. Um, Also, his white blood cell count was, gosh, I can't remember if it was low or high, but it was basically saying that the antibiotics weren't really doing its job. Like his body was having a hard time fighting off the infection. Also, they had to put him on oxygen and on something to up his blood pressure because that was dropping pretty low as well. And then they they put him on the oxygen because he was having still just a really hard time breathing since the treatments weren't really working. We visited him that night and he was like in good spirits, you know, not bouncing off the walls or anything. And he was obviously like attached to a bunch of tubes, but he was definitely happy we were there, very aware of his surroundings, um, was like awake and everything for us to kind of hang out with him. And at that visit, 
because this was like late in the evening. Um, emergency vet hospitals are pretty busy, like from usually like 5 p.m. to like 11 p.m. And so we visited him at like midnight, I think. Um, so that night they told us that because his body wasn't responding, they said it moved on to like full on pneumonia and they were trying to make sure it didn't turn septic. So then on to the next day. So this is Wednesday, um, maybe like late morning, midday. His kidney values were back to normal and they were able to decrease his blood pressure medication, but he was still on full oxygen. And then his white blood cell count was back to normal range, but like barely. So it's like it was like, okay, good, like good news. They did a whole nother blood panel, which they only do every 24 hours. So it was kind of hard because it's like you had to wait a whole day basically like for an update. So good news, like his blood cell count was back and like they were able to lower the blood pressure a bit, uh, the blood pressure like medication. But they said his abdomen seemed like a little bit distended and he was sensitive of that area. So they were thinking maybe something else is going on, especially since he wasn't really responding super well to the treatments. They were like, maybe there's another infection happening. So later that day, he got an abdominal ultrasound and they said everything looked more or less normal. Like maybe his spleen was a little on the small side, but maybe that was just normal for him. And they they wouldn't really be able to diagnose it further without a biopsy. So they were like, okay, that's not a priority. We tossed that line of thinking out the window. So by then it was Wednesday night at like midnight. You're doing his visit again. We were visiting him about twice a day, you know, around like in the afternoon and then again around like midnight or 1 a.m. to avoid their busy times. So at our afternoon visit, they said it had become septic pneumonia, but they said he was still early on in treatment. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. He is an old dog. There was still like some hope, I guess. We had a really good midnight visit with him, just giving him lots of cuddles. He was happy to see us again. You know, the same thing, like so happy we're there, but not like getting up and like wagging his tail or anything, but just like obviously aware and um, aware of us. And all the, of course, all the nurses loved him. They said he was such a distinguished gentleman. So we were feeling hopeful. And also, I should say, during this whole time, like Dog Dad and I were very open with each other and we were having some difficult conversations. That was hard, but I'll get I'll get more into that later. Um, we would have these conversations about like what is best for Loopy, what's best you know, also for us and like our emotions that we were feeling and everything. And so that would be like in the evening around dinner time or something. But then we'd go see him. And even though he was on an IV and oxygen, he looked good. Like dog dad even walked away from one of the visits and was like, I've seen him worse. And and we both felt like that. We were kind of like, he looks good. Um, Like he was aware he looked comfortable. But also we were, you know, on the flip side of that, looks can be deceiving. We're also very aware that like the oxygen was doing a lot of the work for him. So so that was Wednesday night. Then Thursday, it took a turn for the worst. His red blood cell count was down, but that wasn't really a big cause for concern at the moment. Um, but it was just like another thing that changed on the blood work. So it was very like every day we'd get some good news and some bad news. It was very much like a roller coaster. But the one thing that just wasn't really improving was the pneumonia. And the vet that was on the floor at that time, like Thursday afternoon into evening, just wasn't very optimistic. 
And then it didn't help that when we went to visit, he didn't look good. Like he was happy we were there, but then he went back to sleep like immediately. He was very lethargic. You could tell he was just tired and he didn't look as comfortable. Like you could tell that because he was so lethargic, he kind of just like he was just laying in whatever position they kind of put him in. He wasn't like being comfortable anymore, I guess. So they said they were able to decrease the blood pressure medication pretty much like all the way, but not the oxygen at all. So the oxygen was still very high. His breathing was labored, like even with the oxygen. Um, But the sepsis wasn't spreading, which means like he could still kick the pneumonia. Like the antibiotics were doing its job, keeping it at bay, but it wasn't improving it really. And then another thing that happened that day, so on Thursday, is that the vet lost power. Um, There was a big windstorm and like their area lost power. So I couldn't get them on the phone. And so then we just like went over for the for a visit because we were like, okay, they must have lost power with the storm. They were all organized, like hospital machines were all on backup battery and stuff. But it just felt like a bad omen. It was like one more tick in the box of things are not good today. Like things have taken a turn for the worse kind of thing. So up until this point, the reasoning that we had, like in our conversations every night and stuff, was that he looks good. Nothing else is really wrong with him. If he can kick this pneumonia enough to be sent home, then like technically he could recover and be back to a normal loopy. And so that's kind of like the assumption we were working under. And then we talked to the vet again that evening. And I was like, well, you know, what if his red blood cell count goes back to normal, just like all his blood, other blood work did? Like, you know, then then maybe we're good for tomorrow. Like, we just have to wait and see again. And she responded with, I'm not really worried about that. Like, he's on full oxygen. He can't breathe without it. We tested it earlier when today when he went out potty and his blood oxygen level dropped dramatically. Like, I think we're at the point that we don't know if he's actually going to be able to fight off the pneumonia. And that really changed the game for us. I don't know if that's the right phrasing. I don't want to say game, but like <laughs> it changed it it changed our perspective and our reasoning a little bit. Um, you know, I think we had part of being at a vet hospital, there's different doctors that are on shifts and like kind of like an ER. So you get different perspectives from them. I we had had doctors that were like, yeah, I'm really concerned about him, but we have more to do. Like we can do more. Like there there was a lot of like, I'm concerned about him. Like he's an old dog. He's immunocompromised because he has Addison's disease and is you know on a steroid every day. Like kind of like we're concerned. Like this is a higher priority case. Like he is more of the one of the critical patients, but it was also kind of a wait and see type of game. And so we'd have some vets say that. Other ones would be like, he's doing good today. Like, he's just, you know, like, the blood work looks good. It's just a pneumonia. Or I'm a little worried about this part of the blood work, but, like, not too concerned. You know, just so I think once this vet kind of verbalized that now we're looking at the potentially that he actually doesn't recover from the pneumonia. Like, he will not be able to kick this. That I think that kind of put it in a little bit more plainer terms. Um for us of like our whole reasoning throughout this whole thing was if he can kick the pneumonia he can come home and he would have a long road to recovery even home you know he would have been recovering from a severe like respiratory issue but even that like even if 
he doesn't recover at home, at least he would have been home. You know, at least we could have like gotten some more time with him, like in the comfort of our own home. But what the vet said kind of showed us that that was most likely not going to be the case anymore. So that is the story. I do want to cover like how we came to our decision to do a humane euthanasia. So as I said, Dog Dad and I have been like having serious conversations, you know, that whole week. And this portion, I hope, is helpful for anyone out there. We were very aware of the fact that he's an old dog and euthanasia exists because it is a humane way to end a life. I know some people don't approve of it or they would rather their dog pass away naturally. And yeah, if I had the choice, I would have wanted him to pass away peacefully in his sleep on his bed at home like of old age. But the fact was that he was in the hospital, unable to breathe normally, and we would have never wanted him like we never wanted him to suffer for our benefit like we were not trying to take risks with him if he was a younger and healthier dog i don't know if euthanasia would even be in the discussion unless it was like a truly dire situation so that being said we talked it over every night you know and we cried through the whole talk but i really do think that if you have a dog if you put yourself in charge of this living being you owe it to them to think through what's best for them. You owe it to kind of have to put your emotions a little bit to the side and think about what is best for your dog. For us specifically, what made our you know conversations every night really hard is that we didn't have many data points. Like because they only do the blood work panel that he needed every 24 hours, And I did ask them, I was like, can you just like do it more often so we can get like more updates? (laughs) And they were like, honestly, it would be a significant like waste of your money because like things don't change that quickly. Like 24 hours is about like a good time frame for like things to have changed. So it was kind of like a roller coaster every day. You know, like one day it was the white blood cells, but then the next they were fine. One day it was the stomach was bloated, et cetera, et cetera. It was very hard to see if there was any trend in improvement without the data points for it. And as I said, until this point, the reasoning we had was like, he looks good. Nothing else is really wrong with him. If he can kick the pneumonia enough to be sent home, then technically he could recover. But when we stood back and like viewed everything, not getting caught in the daily blood works up and down, the one thing that actually was not improving was the pneumonia. So that was something that factored in, you know, if we're we're looking at like how we came to this decision, that was a very logical part of the conversation was like, okay, what are we actually looking at here? And I hate to condense such a hard conversation down to these like kind of points like this. But I, I, as I said, I really just hope, hope that it can be helpful to people because this is how we thought everything through. And as I said, it was extremely emotional. And on that note, like part of the emotion and the struggle that I had and still currently have was like separating my feelings about Lupin from what was actually going on. And not just like, I love him. I didn't want to say goodbye. But I felt and still do feel an immense amount of guilt because I felt like I hadn't been cherishing him those last few weeks. 
like I had been preparing myself for a long time to say goodbye to him because I knew he's old. But the last month of his life, like October, he was the healthiest and happiest and easiest dog that he had been for like at least six months. Because as you guys know, he was having stomach issues. We kind of, we finally sorted that out. You know, because we had finally sorted out some of his issues, I wasn't prioritizing him at that time. Like I was focusing on other stuff. It's not to say I wasn't loving him, but I just, I feel like I wasn't present in the moment with him during the last, you know, really like few months of his life or more. And um, because I thought I had more time, honestly. So I say that because I had to figure out a way to separate my guilt, like separate this feeling of, well, like if he could just come home and even if we only have like a week with him, I could just, I could have that time. Like I could just have that time to just cherish him. I need that one last cuddle on the couch. I needed just a bit more time to be present with him. So those were my feelings, my feelings of guilt. And, and I bring this up because I had to separate that. I had to take a step back and say, Carly, are you forcing this out of guilt or out of like the feeling of loss that you have that you, you know, didn't have those like cherished little time with him recently, at least. I mean, I have amazing memories of him like throughout his whole life with us. But I guess what I'm saying is I had to let go or like understand that I there was another motion happening for me of not being able to say goodbye in the way I wanted to or the way I imagined I would because this was so sudden. And as I said, he was so healthy in October. Like it really just it felt like a freak accident kind of thing. I mean, I know it's not like he is an old dog, but it the circumstances of it, him just like choking on his own spit and then getting pneumonia and like dying. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm like laughing through the tears here. Uh, yeah, like it. I had to, I always expected a little bit more of a slow decline. And it had been, you know, it had been a slow decline, you know, through his senior years, but I expected a, a little bit more time for sure. I had to be honest with myself, basically, near the end and while we were coming to this decision of, are you trying to fix him, make him healthy again, you know, keep him in the hospital for longer and more and more treatment just so you can say goodbye the way you wanted to? Like, I had to ask myself that question. And then, you know, also, what is actually correct, right for Loopy? Like, what is the right decision for him? So, yeah, that night we say goodbye to him. It wasn't perfect, um, but it was, I think it was still special. He was surrounded by people who loved him. Even one of the night nurses that had been taking care of him wanted to be there, which was really sweet. Like, we were fine with that because it was like, great, more people who love him could like be there than, yeah, like even knowing that he made an impact on someone in the like three days that he was there was kind of special, you know, too. And it was it was nice to see. So I brought his blankie and dog dad and I cuddled with him on the floor and he passed away peacefully and he was comfortable. And I really do feel like he knew he was loved and he was OK with our decision. 
Okay. That is the story. Um, that's kind of like all the events that happened, how we came to the decision, and saying goodbye to Bubba. Another part of this story that I want to tell, though, is the emotional aspect of it. Like, just more of like the personal part, I guess. So from the beginning of this, like, experiences, you know, from when we first brought him into the ER, this ER visit, this vet trip felt different. Like, I I know that may sound like a little woo-woo, but, like, as we walked out of the vet, even after the, after the vet said he should be okay, something just felt different. Like, I was crying and just had this gut feeling in my stomach of, like, it's just like a pit in my stomach, like, this... This isn't going to be like the other times. And as I said, like he's been to the vet for more serious things, harder situations before. And I never really cried. Like I'm not a big crier, crier in those situations. I'm the like Googling, asking the doctor a million questions, like the logical one. Usually dogs at is the like <laughs> nervous Nelly. Um, but this time it, it just felt different. I don't think it was because of his age. I think I just knew something was different this time. In addition, you know, as I recounted, there were a lot of like good news, bad news, up and downs, optimistic vets, and some of the vets were not optimistic. You know, so every time I wanted to be like honest with myself or with you guys or, you know, with Charlotte and Ashley, whatever, like every time I was family who was asking how Loopy is, I didn't want to make it true. Like, I felt like thinking it's not going to be good was making it true. Like, it was like putting it out there in the universe, kind of. As I said, I know that sounds like woo-woo. But every time, like, a bad blood work would happen, I would take it as a sign of the universe. Like, Carly, get ready. But then every time I thought that, every time I saw those signs, I felt like if I was unoptimistic, like, if I was actually honest, I was, like, willing the bad outcome into existence. Um, so, yeah, I that's just, like, what was kind of going through my head, you know, with the power outage and just everything was just, like, bad omen after another, I guess, of just, like, feeling that. Um, another thing that added to my stress is that I was dog-sitting two small dogs <laughs> that entire week as well, like, Monday through Friday. I was just doing doggy daycare for them. So it wasn't like overnight sitting. It was just like a doggy daycare. They were very easy dogs. And honestly, they kind of like provided the distraction a little bit. And then I didn't know the owner very well because this is kind of like a one-time dog sitting thing because they were moving and they just needed the dogs kind of out of the house so they could sell their house and pack up and stuff. So I didn't have to ever explain to the owner. Like she kind of just dropped them off and was like, hey, how are you? And I was like, good. And just and then I would like literally be in my sweatpants with the dogs like all day, just like emotional. But yeah, it was it was kind of like a a nice distraction from it a little bit, I guess, especially since I don't have an, a regular like nine to five where I could just put it out of my mind. So yeah, so that added to the stress, but also maybe took it away a little bit. Yeah, I think the main thing, as I touched on before, was just like the main thing I was really just grappling with that whole week was this is too quick. I didn't cherish him enough. Like, if I had known, I wouldn't have taken Albie with me to Tahoe this summer. Like, I wouldn't have gone to Tahoe for so long. Like, if I had known this was his last summer, I would have done some stuff differently. And so, 
I think that was the main thing of like that week that I was struggling with. And it was just very emotional, like lots of tears um, that week and pretty much for the whole week after. I think once he was gone, I was able to logic myself out of those emotions a little bit more. Like I was still very much feeling like that guilt and that like he was taken too soon feeling because he really was like nothing else was wrong with him. You know, you hear all the like old dog things and it's like he was going up and down the stairs on his own. We were going for two mile walks still like him leading the way. You know, he was throwing his tantrum still. He was eating normally. His kidney and liver values, like all that stuff, we got done like only a few months before. And like all of that looked really good for like a senior dog. So I think that just kept running through my mind of like it was too, too soon and not how I pictured it. Like his quality of life was still so good. So I think I was I was dealing with a lot of like regret about that. Um, And yeah, as I said, I was able to kind of logic myself out of some feelings just because I wasn't as present with him during that last, you know, six months or so doesn't mean it negates like the whole life of love and great memories that we gave him. So I was still, I mean, like, I, I guess I was able to tell myself that logically, but like, also, it, <laughs> it didn't like help immensely either. Um, Like, I was still feeling those feelings. So... I think that was the biggest struggle. And then like once he was gone, I was just filled. And, and even during that week, honestly, I was just filled with so much anger. I was just like so bitter towards everything dog related, honestly. Like I would see a post about a dog or I'd see like just someone walking their dog on the street. And I literally had like so much anger. I was just like, fuck you for still having your dog. When I don't have mine anymore or like someone, you know, posts a cute photo or like, you know, like it was just like a little dog reel or something. And I literally was just like, I couldn't even be around it. I was like, F you, you think your dog is great. Mine was like the best in the world. So yeah, like it it wasn't logical at all. And it was really weird for me because I am not a, like I rarely feel like bitterness and anger as a person. That is not an emotion I feel regularly. Maybe like frustration or like annoyance, but never like anger or bitterness really. And so that was interesting. And also kind of towards the dog world, I really felt like, oh, what's the point? Um, Because obviously I still have Albie and he's an amazing dog, but he needs significantly less care than Lupin ever did. Like even when Lupin was super young, Lupin always had something, you know, like, oh, his harness is giving him a rash. We got to buy a new one. So they start like researching all these different things and, you know, just like little things like that throughout Lupin's life. Albus is like the easiest boy. Like it's just so easy. So I I really felt kind of like a what's the point with dog world stuff, you know, Um, Dogstagram, even even the podcast. I was like, maybe that chapter of my life is over. I've obviously gotten past that. Um, <laughs> I think I needed to see like all of the options that were open to me still within the dog world. And I needed to wait for like my enthusiasm about dog stuff to return. But I was definitely feeling that like up until pretty recently. Not necessarily like I'm quitting, but just like a very much like a what's the point. I also, you know, to be honest about the grieving process, like for me also, I 
you know, there was there was definitely some like suicidal thoughts, um, musings, I would say. And yes, I've spoken to a healthcare professional about them. Like it's it's not a cause for concern. I don't say that for everyone, but I guess I just want to like God, I don't want to say normalize. Like I don't want to normalize either, but I just want to be honest with like I was having those thoughts of is he waiting for me somewhere? Like I don't want to keep him waiting. Like what if I can go to him? And as I said, those thoughts have already been taken care of, but I just I guess I never expected myself to have thoughts like that. And that's I guess why I wanted to share it is because those are very um unnatural for me, especially since I'm also like not religious. Like the idea that he was like in heaven waiting or like something like yeah. Though it was, as I said, very much like amusing. It was really only in that week afterwards and then it kind of went away. But that was like, you know, uh, a surprise, I guess, of like part of the grieving process, just as much as like the anger and bitterness. And then I think like moving on from, you know, that week during and the week after, you know, of course the house felt empty. Like it's so weird not having two dogs. You know, even dogs ad will like bring Albie into work. And I was, I realized I had never been alone in our house that we've lived in for three years. I've never been in alone in it like for the entire day, maybe an hour or two, but the entire day where I could like sleep in and I could like, like the, the day, the time, my time was my own for the first time. And I was like, this is weird. And, you know, we slowly over the course of the month have kind of like put some of his stuff away and reorganized dog things a little bit, you know, just kind of did that on my own time. You know, a lot of people are asking how Albus is, like if Albie misses Lupin. Um, <laughs> the answer is I don't think so. Like they they were just such good roommates, housemates, like they just coexisted together so well. I think Albie, like after, you know, probably like five days or so kind of figured out or like after a week, maybe he was kind of just like, okay, something in the house is like changed. But Albie doesn't have, honestly, he's not the type of dog who has that type of like emotional depth Um, (laughs) or at least he doesn't show it. So nothing about him has really changed, except I've definitely noticed that he I realize now how many considerations he made for Lupin and how many times I had to prioritize Lupin over Albus and Albie got used to that. And I swear Albie is going to get like so fat now because Lupin had so many food allergies that we never were giving the dogs like really treats outside of their kibble and like one other type of treat. Now Albie is getting scraps from the kitchen and... (laughs) He's getting spoiled because he's the only dog now and he can have like whatever chews and bones and all that he wants. He can just leave him on his bed and not worry about Loopy coming over and finding it. Um, yeah, so I would say like Albie, Albie was aware at first and and but he's doing like okay, which I'm very happy with. I know some people may be like, oh, like is he missing his brother? I'm so happy I do not have to deal with Albie grieving on top of like me and dog's ad. So I think that's very much like a blessing. And then the last thing I think I want to touch on, because as I said, it's been about a month. And so the first two weeks, like the week of him getting sick and the week after were just like rough. And then as 
that time has gone on, I'm able to see more like silver linings of the situation, I guess. And I think that has been really special too. And I want to kind of normalize this thought of I gained a significant portion of my life back now that he's not here anymore. And I hate to say that, but if if you're looking at it from like a logistics point of view, Loopy was was kind of a difficult dog. And even so, you know, in his senior years, even though he was healthy and happy and everything, as I said, um, he still had challenges and considerations like for him. And, you know, he drank a ton of water and I was letting him out like every two hours because he was on that prednisone for his Addison's. And I was hyper vigilant um, to make sure he couldn't eat anything like on the ground on a walk, but also around the house or like poop in the backyard. Like I, there were a lot of just things that I had to do for him. And, you know, there, I think it, it's fair to like normalize that my life has gotten easier now that he's not here. Would I exchange that in a heartbeat to have him back? Like, yes, obviously. <laughs> but as I said, like silver lining. And then also, you know, we have a ton of trips coming up and we were feeling very worried even before, you know, he got sick. Like before that situation, we were like, oh my God, like it's it's hard to watch a senior dog and who are we going to find? And it's over the Christmas and, you know, it's a lot to ask for people and we hadn't really been able to find like a good sitter that could give him, that could be here as frequently as he needed. So yeah, so it's like silver lining is... It is going to be so much easier to to take those trips and not be worried that he would pass away or that he would be anxious while we were gone. So, you know, we are able to kind of like move forward with, you know, leaving for Christmas. We've got a big trip in March. We've got like a wedding in May. Like we have like a lot of cross country or international things coming up. So that was I'm not going to lie, like a weight lifted off our shoulder a bit. And yeah, I, I mentioned kind of like the time I've gained back every day. I I go into it a lot more in depth on a friends with a dog episode that I did with Ashley. I think I think it's yeah, it's just important to normalize because Ashley also, you know, had to take care of a very sick dog, elderly dog. And and so we kind of just talked about how it takes up a chunk of your day. And like I was walking two dogs, like an hour for Albie and an hour for Loopy drastically different distances and speeds but like that's an hour just there not having to necessarily walk loopy and um i would say i probably have like three hours left or gain maybe like three hours a day as which as i said like would change that in a heartbeat to have him back but you know that was kind of a little bit of like a silver lining as far as everything and and i think it's okay to have those thoughts because how i'm choosing to look at it is that he gave us that gift passing away when he did like if you if you take it down to brass tacks which i hate to do because this is such a nuanced and like complicated topic and situation and experience for me but yeah as i said we can go to travel for christmas and not have to worry and and we can move forward with our lives a bit in a way that we were unable to do with him and i'm choosing to see that as like a gift he gave us like the timing was good terrible (laughs) but also like if you look back in the grand scheme of things the timing was good for us 
I'm choosing to believe that he wanted it now. Like the gift he gave us was being able to kind of end the era of Lupin. I got him when I was 23. Like we got him when we were 23. Like new in our relationship still. Boyfriend, girlfriend, our first apartment together. Um, And he brought us through our entire 20s. An international move and back. Um, yeah, it, it, it really does just feel like an end of an era and a closing of a chapter a bit. And yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that, but like that's just the feeling I'm getting and I'm choosing to to see it as like a a renewal rather than a loss, I guess. Still a loss, but <laughs> but I'm choosing to try to like view it as that. Last but not least, I just want to say the biggest thank you to everyone who was a part of his life or took an interest in his life and who sent me a message, you know, when he passed away, just expressing your love and support. I also got some amazing gifts from people like the beautiful flowers. And I got this really like nicely painted, um, ornament as well for the tree like with his face painted on it some really like special care packages and um some yeah just really nice messages especially from my friends in London like anyone who knew him when I brought him to the office every day and some really just heartfelt words about like how loved he was and like special memories of him my mom got me this little like picture frames and stuff and like with his picture in it. And that was really nice because they're just like little things that you can put on the counter. So it's like, you know, I can just look over and see his face. And then also uh, my sister got me this awesome gift. I just say it as an idea for anyone else in the future is it's a wind chime like in honor of him. And that was really special because it's like she said, put it up where he used to sun doggo because we know he loved to be outside in the sun. And and so like every time you hear it in the wind, you think of him. Oh, it just yeah, I just want to thank everyone so much for being part of his life and mine. Thank you for even listening to this episode. I'm sure you were a little nervous. <laughs> like I'm sure it wasn't exactly like the most thrilling thing. But yeah, uh. That is the the story of saying goodbye to Lupin. I am going to try to do some episodes in the future, as I said, about like hospitalization, like what euthanasia actually entails, because I think a lot of people don't actually know. Yeah, maybe just some like short informational kind of episodes about that. But I want to say like pour one out for Loopy or something, but maybe like... If your dog has a tantrum, if your dog decides to throw a tantrum, share it in honor of Loopy, maybe. Share a little <laughs> little story, just like he did, his throwing his head around, having his little foxhound fit. Um, think of Lupin next time your dog is being stubborn. <laughs> I know he lives on through all the stubborn tantrum throwing dogs out there. All right. Thank you for being here. I love you all. Um, I had to reschedule an immense amount of guest interviews <laughs> um, during this time. So I'm hoping I'm still able to get an episode out every week. Uh, maybe it won't be a guest. Maybe it'll end up being solo episodes or with Charlotte and Ashley. But I'll get something will come out. I am back. Podcast is back. 
just the guest rescheduling, especially around the holidays, is obviously a little hard. So if you want to follow the podcast at with a dog podcast on Instagram, Carly with a dog on Instagram and TikTok, please drop a rating or review if you found this episode helpful or special in any way. And I'll see you next week. Bye. All content on the With a Dog podcast is for informational and comedic purposes only. It should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist. 